You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. We're honored to have you here with us today, and uh, thank you for celebrating, taking time. I know today's a, a busy weekend, but I think this is the, of course, why we celebrate Easter is Jesus, uh, the resurrection of Christ and what he's done for us. And so we want to thank you for coming today, taking time to worship with us together. And we're going to dive into the word today. We're going to begin in the book of Genesis. We're actually going to go to the beginning uh, to kind of lead up to the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and we're going to talk about in the garden, in the garden, today. Today, we're going to look at three gardens that make up, I believe, the uh, really the, the, the heart of the story of God's word and tell us uh, what God's redemptive story was about and why Jesus came. And we see uh, three different gardens we're going to look at were three different locations where uh, some of the most important events, whether you're aware of them or not, the three most important events, I believe, in all of human history that affect every single person who's ever lived, ever will live, and of course, everyone who's alive today. And it begins in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 7, it says, after God had formed the heavens and the earth, the, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Mankind is unique in all of God's creation, of all the stars that he's formed and the galaxies and all the wonders of the heavens and all the beauty of the mountain peaks and the depths of the canyons and all the, the, the oceans and all the beauty that we see in creation. There's something unique in mankind. God has created man in his image, uh, not like any other uh, part of creation, not like any animal, not like anything that's been made. God has made humankind, mankind unique in that we're made in the image of God. God's created mankind with a capacity to create something that's not found in anywhere else in creation, the ability to uh, decide between and recognize right and wrong, make moral decisions. God has created in man something unique, but he formed man in uh, the earth and breathed into him the breath of life. God has made you unique and special. The Lord God then planted a garden eastward in Eden. There he put man that he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that was pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When God created everything, he created, created everything good. God said throughout the time of him forming and shaping and developing and creating the heavens and the earth that every time he would make something, he would say, it's good. Every time he would create, and then when God created man and woman, when he created mankind, he said, it's very good. There's something about God's creation that he began everything as a reflection of his goodness. And, uh, and that's so important we recognize that because we live in a world that often doesn't reflect goodness, often reflects heartache and pain and, and the effects of sin. We live in a fallen world. And the reason is what happens in this garden. The first point, I've got three points for anyone who's taking notes today. Uh, is this, that in the garden, man had a choice, but God had a plan. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man he had made and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. He gave man a purpose. You know, God created us with two things. He created us with identity, and he created us with purpose. That's something that all of us need to find in God, that you have an identity that the world cannot give and it cannot take, and you have, because you're made in the image of God, you matter to God. 
No matter what people have done to you, no matter who's left, no matter what's been said about you, you have to recognize you're made in the image of God. God loves you. He created you and he created you with a God-given purpose. And he's created all of us with purpose. And that's what we find. He places Adam in this garden. And here's what he says. Of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. God placed him in the garden. God had a plan. But man had a choice. In the very beginning, God gave him a choice. Why did God give him a choice? Why would God allow him to have a choice? Well, because for him to be loved back. God wanted to love mankind, but he also wanted man to freely love him back, freely choose to worship, freely choose to honor him. He didn't create you and I to be robots. He created you to reflect his image, his glory to the world, and to love him back. God wanted a family. He created you and I, and he created us with the capacity to choose to freely love him. But to have that freedom also requires that there's the freedom to choose to say no. And that's what we find in that moment that uh, as you fast forward in the story is mankind would be tempted by the enemy. The devil came as a serpent and he came because he hated God and in rebellion to God, he wanted to take the thing that God hated most, which was sin, because sin is totally contrary to God. Sin destroys, corrupts, it separates, it, it, it brings heartache and pain and, and, and corrupts what God has created good. So the enemy wanted to take what God hated, which was sin, and place it in the thing that God loved most, which was mankind, which was you and I. And so he began a plan to tempt uh, Adam and Eve, and that's what happened. Man made the choice, and that choice to say yes to God meant life, but the choice to say no meant death. And that's where we find in Genesis 3.1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, you may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat or touch it lest you die. The serpent said, you will not surely die for God knows in that day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that was pleasant to the eyes and one desirable to make one wise, she took and ate of its fruit. She also gave to her husband Adam with her and he ate. And the, boy, uh, the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked now and they, were, they sewed fig leaves together. And listen to this statement, they made themselves coverings. Verse eight, I think one of the saddest things in all of recorded history and all of scripture is this. It says the Lord walked in the midst of the garden in the cool of the day, but Adam and his wife hid themselves from his presence. See, two things happened that Adam and Eve, that happened as a result of their decision to say no to God. First is that they're now aware of their need. They're now aware of their own nakedness and shame. And here's what they do. They sew for themselves. They try to make for themselves coverings. The problem is the coverings cannot help the issue deep down on the inside of their heart. See, there's a lot of things we make for ourselves that we try to cover up. We try to hide, we try to bury, we try to mask our guilt and our shame. We try to cover up with all kinds of things that the world tries to offer us, but none of them can provide an answer. Even religion itself is often man's attempt to try to cover themselves, fix themselves, make ourselves better but nothing can deal with the real issue down on the inside because with a no to God came sin into the garden. 
with a no to God came a decision to go our own way, came a decision to choose our own direction without God, a life apart from God. And the result of that created an emptiness and a void that nothing in all of the world can fill. There's not enough money that you can put together. There's not enough uh, accolades that you can put together. There's no title, no job, no house, no car. There's nothing in this world that can cover the deep need of your heart. They made for themselves coverings, but they weren't enough. Because when God showed up to the garden, they did something that indicated separation. They hid themselves from God. And God asked them a very important question. He says, where are you? Where are you? For the first time, there's brokenness and fellowship. For the first time since God has created mankind in his image, there's distance. And God, I believe, not because he doesn't know where they are, is saying and crying out, why are you hiding? Why are you covering yourself? Why are you hiding yourself from me? I want you. I want to be close. But now man has chosen distance. And God is asking, he actually asked two questions. The first is, where are you? You know, I found in all the time that I've been in ministry and in church and and in the world that people do three things to hide. First, some people hide by trying to deny that God's there at all. We, we, we hide by saying, well, he's not there. God doesn't care, so I am going to choose my own way. Sometimes we hide out of rebellion to God. We know he's there, but we're choosing to go a different course on our own anyway. And sometimes we just simply just remain indifferent. And we don't realize that remaining indifferent to God is the same as saying no to God. Remaining indifferent to God still creates a separation and still tries to cover our own issues with our own efforts, but it's insufficient. And God comes to them, and here's what he does. He says, where are you? But then as they respond, they say, well, uh, you know, Adam begins to blame his wife as, as this kind of human history. We always look for somebody to blame. And he says, God, the woman you gave me gave me the fruit of the tree. And she blames the serpent, and the serpent has nobody left to blame. But God goes through, and here's what he says, because they said, we, we, we hid ourselves because we realized we were naked. And he asked them a second question after he says, where are you? He said, who told you that? Because I wonder how many times we believe lies that are not in line with God's truth. We believe lies about God. We believe lies about ourselves. And when we accept the lie, we always choose the wrong course. And he said, who told you that? And I just, I wonder today if God's asking us those same questions, where are you? Why is there distance? Who told you that God wasn't enough? Who told you that you'd find what you needed outside of him? Who told you that your own works, if you tried a little harder or did a little bit better, that it'd be good enough? But the answer is found in what God does next. God, of course, lays out the consequences. There'd be separation now and they would have to leave the garden, the place of fellowship with God. But God always had a plan. In Genesis 3.15, he tells the serpent that there would one day come the seed of the woman who would crush the head of that serpent, who would defeat the lie that he had brought into that garden. And of course, he was talking about Jesus. This is in Genesis 3.15, the first promise, because the reality is God created man knowing he would fall. God created man knowing he would choose to reject God. God created him, why? Because he loved him. And because of that, God had a choice. He could leave man separate. He could leave man in his sin. He could leave man to, 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 to be separate forever by death. But God's love is what motivates his heart. 
And God refused to leave things the way they were. And even before man fell, God had a plan. And God promised in that moment, he said, there's coming one who's going to crush the head of the serpent. He was talking about Jesus. Let's fast forward to another garden. Because Jesus came for a purpose. Jesus came to rescue, to seek, and to save. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says that for as an Adam, the first man, all die. If you want to know why the world's so messed up, it's because of a no. That started in a garden, but it's continued throughout human history. A no from man to God. But even so in Christ, in Jesus, all shall be made alive. When we say yes to Jesus, when we say yes to God, we go from death to life. Point number two, if you're taking notes, is that in the garden, Jesus came to put things right. Jesus came Right after what I described earlier, where he was at the table with his disciples, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane's name means an oil press. It was where olives would be collected to be pressed and crushed so that oil would be produced and brought for perfumes and for preparation for, uh, for, for burials, all these different things that oils were used for. But in that garden, Jesus came to be crushed himself. And Jesus comes in the garden, and this is just before he's about to be betrayed and arrested and about to be taken on trial and accused of crimes and taken to the cross. Before any of that would happen, he's in a garden, and here's a conversation between Jesus, the Son, and God the Father. Because Jesus came fully man, but also fully God. Why? Because only God could put things right. Man had sinned, and it had to be a man that could live a perfect, sinless life, but man has never been able to do that. But Jesus came to do that on our behalf. And so here's what Jesus does in the garden. He comes and he prays. And in this moment, in Matthew 26, verse 36, Jesus came with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he went a little bit further and he fell on his face and he prayed and he said, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, listen to this statement, not as I will, but as you will. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. What, what, what's going on? Right now, in this moment, we're seeing the humanity of Jesus because he's coming. Just as man fell in a garden, Jesus came to say yes in a garden. Just as man said no, Jesus came to say yes. Jesus came to pay the price, and he did that by saying yes to the Father. And he says, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass from me. But we know it's not possible because there is no other way to God. There is no other way to salvation because sin was an impassable gulf that we could not cross. And only God could provide a way. In the garden, when Adam fell, they tried to cover themselves, but those weren't sufficient, so God had to provide. And he, he, made, he brought a sacrifice, and he made for them coverings. Jesus came to make a covering for sin that animals couldn't take. The sacrifice of, of, of lambs and bulls and goats in the Old Testament were not enough for. And in a garden, Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. I say that this is one of the most important things in all of history. This garden is where Jesus said yes, when man had previously said no, and he made it possible for us to be forgiven. He made it possible. This is also the first place that Jesus would bleed. He would shed his blood as he, was, as he poured out sweats and, and, inner, and agony and prayer for what was about to take place. As he's about to go to the cross, he's sweating, the Bible says, drops of, of not only sweat but blood. 
because he's, he's in such intercession and crying out for you and for, for me. We've got to recognize that Jesus came, but he came to die. He came for a purpose. He came to give his life. That's why we celebrate the resurrection because Jesus first went to a cross. But I, I think I wonder, you know, how many times we say no to God. We have the opposite. Jesus said, not my will, God, but yours be done. Can I just tell you the answer to everything that you've been created for is found in saying yes to God's will. Is saying no to something lesser, but saying yes to something far greater. What area of your life do you need to say yes to God today? And that's what Jesus does. He says, not my will, but yours be done. And he goes to lay his life down on the cross. He would be arrested. He'd be tried. He'd be beaten. He'd be whipped. And he'd be nailed to a tree. And just like man sinned through a tree, Jesus came to redeem us by being nailed to a tree to take our sin. And you know, we, we sing about and talk about how God loves the world, but can I tell you, he would do it for one. And he had you in mind. He had you in mind on that cross. That's what you mean to God. That's what you mean to God. God didn't just say, I love you. He paid the ultimate price. He gave his very best. And as Jesus hung on the cross, here's what it says that he declared in John 19, 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine as he hung there on the cross, the final thing he declared was this, it is finished. It is finished. That's a, that's a cry, a prayer, a statement that means, among many things, it means this, the debt has been paid. It means that the work has been accomplished. What Jesus came to do was done. He had fulfilled everything that man's sin had cost. The price that had to be paid, Jesus came and he paid it in full. What religion could not accomplish, what we could never be good enough for, Jesus paid the ultimate price and made a way. Do you know the cross is your open door back to the presence of God, back to the garden, back to the place in the cool of the day where you can walk with God. It's the place back to identity. It's the place back to purpose. It's the place back to experiencing eternal life and all that God has provided for us. When Jesus declared it is finished, I want to remind you today, maybe you'd forgotten as the church, but it's the day that fear was finished. It's the day that shame was finished. It was the day that hopelessness was finished and guilt was finished. It was the day that sin's power and grip over your life was finished. And Jesus paid the ultimate price. The third and final point today is this. In the garden, hope came back to life. There was a third garden. Jesus was taken down from the cross the day he died. And it says this, he was buried in a tomb, not far away, John 19, 41. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. There was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb, which no one had been laid in, and so there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day for the tomb was nearby. Jesus was placed, his body laid to rest in a garden tomb. This is the third garden, but because of what happens on the third day in that third garden, everything in your life and my life can change. Because of what Jesus does in that garden, because the cross would have, can I just tell you, the cross would have meant nothing if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead. 
but because he rose, it was a declaration that God had accepted that sacrifice and that he was, death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. Jesus conquered death, conquered sin, conquered hell, and conquered the grave. On the third day, he rose. The stone that had been rolled against the tomb, as my wife read earlier, was rolled away. And Jesus conquered the grave in that final tomb. Jason, if you want to come up. I want to read this account from the New King James Bible in Matthew 28. It says in verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning, his clothing like white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said, just like he told you. Just as he said, can I just remind you today that what God has promised you, what God has spoken, what God has said he will do, he will do. The proof is an empty tomb. The proof is that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He conquered sin, conquered death, conquered hell. And he did it for you and he did it for me. He said, come, don't be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus. He's not here, he is risen. One last verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us what happens as a result of all that I've described for you today. I've laid out a story and that story may not mean much for you in the larger sense because right now you're thinking about your own life, your own needs. But just as I said, what happened in those three gardens affects every single one of us. Maybe what you need to face today is not just what Adam did, but maybe it's your own no to God. It's created distance, you've hid yourself. You've hid from God, you've run from God. You know, I did that for years. I ran from God. My family, whenever I was in church, they had to drag me to church. God has a sense of humor, I'm a pastor now. So be careful. (laughs) But this is important because You may have said no to God your entire life, but can I tell you, God said yes to you when he gave his very best. Jesus had you in mind in a garden. When he crushed Adam's disobedience by his act of obedience, he said yes to the Father. What do you need to say yes to God in today? He's arrested, he's betrayed, and he's nailed to a tree. He's taken to the cross. But the devil didn't crucify Jesus. Even the people who carried out the act of crucifixion were not the reason he died. Jesus said, I come to give my life, no one takes it. Why did he give his life? He did it for you and for me. There was no other way. He said, if it's possible, take this cup, but there was no other way. Jesus did that because he loves you. He did that because he came for you. He paid the price so that you and I could be forgiven, free, make an exchange. And here's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're brand new. Just as Adam was the day God formed him and breathed new life into him, you become brand new in Jesus, given a fresh start, given a future and a hope. He said, all things pass away. What needs to pass away that's holding your heart today? What's gripping your life? What's keeping you held back? What's keeping you weighed down? What have you made for yourself to cover and bury and hide in, but that hasn't made things better? Today, it's time to say yes to Jesus. He says, old things pass away. And here's the beautiful promise. All things become new. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you today. Today we're celebrating what Jesus has done. And I went through this whole picture of history, man's story, because it looks a lot like my story. It looks like all those moments when I said no to God, but I finally recognized, see, I never understood his love until I believed and understood his death, until I saw why he died on the cross. When I really got that, it changed everything because he didn't do it for a religion. He didn't do it to start even churches. He did it to save you and me so we could be free, we could be forgiven and all things could be made new. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. And I want to give you that opportunity today. This is why we celebrate Easter. This is why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. This is why the church exists and why we gather is so that you can have the opportunity to say yes to God. The only thing that can save us is Jesus. Our own works were not enough. Our good can never outweigh our bad. Sin is separated and there's no solution outside of Jesus, but he has provided an answer. The Bible says the wages of my sin and yours is death, but the gift of God. Wages are something you earn, pay, uh, you, you have due to you, but a gift is something you've never earned that someone else has paid for. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus, but you have to receive that for yourself. No one else can do that for you. No one else can say yes for you. You have to say yes to Jesus. And if you've never done that, I wanna give you that opportunity today because maybe this may be the most important Easter of your entire life because this could be the Easter you say yes to Jesus. And maybe you once did, but you've been far, you've been distant, and today you need a new beginning with God. If either of those are for you, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer right now, prayer of faith, to say yes to Jesus, to invite him to be your savior and Lord of your life. Everything changes there. He makes all things new, but it starts with a decision. Man had a choice. You have a choice. God has a plan. We have to say yes to that plan. Today, if you've never said yes to Jesus, but you'd like to, or maybe you have, but you've been distant and you want to have a fresh start with God today. 
you say, Brian, that's me. Would you pray with me today? Right where you're at, I want you to raise your hand and say, Brian, that's me. If you'd be honest with God, real with God and say, God, I need you. I need, I need a savior. I need forgiveness. I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, lift your hand. I want to pray with you and give you that opportunity today. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer right now. For any of you who lifted their hands, if you say, that's me, Brian, I need Jesus in my life. Would you just pray this with me? And I'm asking every believer in this room to pray this, to encourage them. Say this, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my savior. Be Lord of my life. I give my heart to you. I say yes to you. Your will be done in my life. I put my trust in you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe the price has been paid and that you rose from the grave. And today I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.